We started going here, and we had visitation then on Monday night. And so two men from our church came to visit me one Monday night, and I sat and talked to them. And really, to be honest with you, the first thing I said to them was, I really wish I knew how to get saved. Because I thought you just had to do something. They were probably thinking, man, somebody gave us a home run visit right here, you know. Salvation is by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Each of us has a unique story of how that takes place. In this series of podcasts, members of Grace Life Church of the Shoals share their stories of redemption and grace. Here now is my Grace Life story. Welcome into another episode of my Grace Life story. I have with us today in the Grace Life Recording Studios, Margot Bailey and Sandra Brown. I also have Tim Martin. He is taking care of all the technical side of things with our podcast today. And this is actually going to be our last podcast for season number two. And so this will wrap up another season of my Grace Life story. And this one's going to be somewhat different because what we have today are what I have affectionately come to know as the queens of small group ministries. That's Margot Bailey and Sandra Brown. You have heard their names mentioned if you've been following this podcast several times from some of our younger ladies that have been in their small group class. And so we thought it would be good if we had Margot and Sandra come in today and tell a little bit of their Grace Life story and then just a little bit about their small group experience as well. They've been leading a class together for uh, several years now. And so this will be a little different than normal, but I think it's going to be very edifying for you. So let's just start things off. I'm going to let y'all introduce yourself. So Margo, I'm going to let you go first. If you would just introduce yourself, give us a few facts about who you are, and then Sandra will let you do the same thing. Well, my name is Margo Bailey. I'm not going to say how old. You can say your age. I'm, That's I'd fine. just leave that. Um, <laughs> I'm older than 60. I work here at Grace Life Church. Have, have you re- worked at Grace Life? This stint? <laughs> i really can't remember. I've been here at least 10 or 12 years. I it's don't such know. There's a been fun a, place to work. Your boss is, is so fun I to work for. I have a really for. tough boss to work for, <laughs> um, but I am your secretary. Yes, and you do a good job, by it, the way. It really is not, not hard at all. I've been at Grace Life since around 91, I think. I have two children, Paul, who is 34, and Andy, who's 29. Okay. And right now, you are helping in what age group, small group? We are 25 to 33, A through... You got a segment of the alphabet in there, too. A through G. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. All right, Sandra, just introduce yourself, a few facts about who you are. I am married. I have been at Grace Life for First Baptist since I was 29. Yeah. I'm 71 now, so do the math. I've been married 52 years. I have two children, Archie and uh, Casey. Archie doesn't live here, but Casey does and goes to Grace Life. And you're leaving out a very important part of your life at this stage. I retired from Grace Life Church. Now you have grandchildren. 31. Oh, that's the most important. (laughs) I have five grandchildren. (laughs) Can't leave that out. That's what everyone gets excited about at this stage of life. That went right after I retired because my new job became my three grandchildren who live here. Yes, absolutely. I spend all my time that I can with them. Amen. And you worked at Grace Life for how long? A little over 30 years. And you did what during that time? Most everything except financial. You did small groups for how long? That was a big part of that. I, I really, 20 years, yeah. 25 years. Yeah. 
Sandra even got the nickname from Noel Wright, who was a former staff member here at Grace Life Church, as Brother Sandra because she was so good at what she did in the small group ministry. She was almost just like an extension of the ministerial staff right there. So she is is not elaborating on that, but she did wonderful work here for many, many years, and God used her. And so, all right. So thank you for telling us a little bit about who you are. So now let's get into a little bit more of your story. So, Margaret, we'll go back, and we'll start with you. Talk to me a little bit just about your conversion, you know, when you came to know the Lord, and then we'll eventually get to how you got to Grace Life and what it's been like from that point as well. But a little bit about your conversion testimony. Well, I grew up in the 60s, so um, I grew up going to church. Everybody pretty much did at that time. Um, it was what kind a, of church was this? A typical Southern Baptist church. Okay. I don't remember... Much about the preaching, it was more topical, I would say. And and, and this was where you were growing up? In where? Hueytown, Alabama, this suburb of Birmingham. Okay. I know that I probably walked the aisle and signed a card several times. That's what everybody did. And I also went down to the Billy Graham crusade one time. Hmm. But I remember um, my there wasn't a lot of the reality of the gospel in my home. My parents were both active in the church, but there was uh, not a lot of practical Christianity, I would say, in our home. It's a lot of dysfunction. At 13, my parents divorced, and we all kind of stopped going to church regularly. I would go sporadically. But I, one of those sporadic times, when I was around 19, I went, went to church, and we had a new pastor, and he preached expository preaching, and I'd never heard anything like that, and I knew There was something different about it. At the end of one of the sermons, I walked the aisle fully expecting to do what I'd always done, rededicate or whatever, and he asked me to come back later and counsel with him. Remember the name of this pastor? Yeah, his name was Ed Wallen. Okay. So we counseled, and in the process of that, I don't remember what he said, but I do remember knowing that I was lost and I had never been saved, and um, he told me how to be saved. And so I trusted Christ at that time and I was baptized. I was not hanging out with very good people at the time. Or so were you, really were you in high school? Did you already graduate? I'd already graduated. Okay. I was kind of between high school and, and figuring out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Gotcha. I'm sure I was working somewhere. But I, I started getting really regular in that church and we had a Friday night Bible study with a lot of the younger people and him. And we just got into studying the Bible for the first time in my life. And I I feel like now that church was probably what would be considered a hyper-Calvinistic church. His preaching was definitely Reformed, and I appreciate that. He gave me a love for the Word, a love for rich and solid preaching. But um, I feel like, at least in my case, I just began to enjoy getting a lot of knowledge and being a little puffed up about that and, and trying to just share with everybody about what election was and, and all, so all, all the things. all that brand new, like you never heard oh, no, reform no. doctrine. Never, never heard any point, of that right? before. Okay. Or right. if I did, I don't remember. Right. It, and so a few years went by. I went to uh, nursing school, graduated from nursing school, and continued to be real faithful in the church. There was just not any evangelism that I remember in the church at all. I met my future husband while I was working. We got married. We built a house, started to have a family, had a baby boy, 
and really I felt like I was going to be pretty much happily ever after at that point. I'd suffered through the difficulties of childhood and all that, and so um, we built our dream home and lived in it about a year and a half, and he had finished his training at that time and um, started a job so we could stay there in Birmingham. But he was very unhappy at that job. It was um, He was having to do things he wasn't really trained for. So anyway, fellow guy that he had trained for in Birmingham lived up here in the Shoals. We were actually scheduled to move to Cullman. We had already talked to a group there and put earnest money on a house. And when we got back from doing that, there was a message on our answering machine from his friend that lived up here and said, don't sign anything. So anyway, he invited him to come up here and go into practice with him. And so that's how we ended up in the Shoals. That was around 91. We Did you know anything about the Shoals when you, before you came up I here? Could so not, this was brand new up here. He had done some work up here on weekends before, and so I had visited at that time, and I was struck by how beautiful everything was. And I'm, I'm like, why didn't any... Why have we not known about this place? <laughs> but no, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't ever plan to leave the Birmingham area. And so when we came, it was like morning for <laughs> me, my family, my friends. We moved up here and just visited churches. Had, had, uh, let's, let's ask this, though. Uh, did somebody invite you to Grace Life? Did you guys just happen to drive by? Uh, of course, we were First Baptist then. How, how did, what was the initial... We had visited before we moved up here okay. because his friend that that um, he went into practice with was a member of Grace Life, our then First Baptist. Right. And so we knew we would be visiting this church. We had heard the former pastor preach a couple of times. We liked it was also expository preaching. Mm-hmm. We liked that. We visited a couple of other churches, and we were living in Florence at the time. We bought a house on Wood Avenue and um, – but I think I think I figured that we would always end up here because of their connection and all. And so we ended up joining. And um, what, what was your first? Imp- I mean, you, so you've been in a church that now you can look back and say they were a bit hyper Calvinistic, but still expository preaching. There were some good things there that built a good foundation for you. So. You know, when you began to visit here, what were your first impressions of what was then First Baptist Church of Muscle Shoals? Did you visit a small group? Did you just visit the services? Give me a little bit more information on that. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because my first impression was I loved the preaching. It's kind of embarrassing to admit, but I thought I, I was I just thought I was so knowledgeable about the doctrines of grace and all that and um I thought, you know, I didn't see that much of that kind of thing in the people here. But the more I be, the more I was here, the more I realized, though, that they had more practical Christianity than mm-hmm. I had seen in the past. The only men that I knew that were evangelistic back home was I was doing volunteer work for Save a Life, and I went to um, Briarwood Church to study evangelism explosion. Uh, that was just a training for evangelism. Right. The, the two men that trained me were just their their Christianity was real. They lived mm. it. They they had a zeal for the Lord and a zeal for other people to know the Lord. And I had not seen that before. And um, you know, it could be just the Lord had opened my eyes to see what was around me. I'm not saying there weren't godly people there, and I have I'm still friends with a lot of the people from that former church. But anyway, that's what I noticed. At first, and as far as small groups, 
my very first small group teacher was Sandra Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I vividly remember it because I went into the class and the ladies were sitting around talking about one of the class members had just become a grandmother. And I immediately thought, I am in the wrong class. I'm not old enough to be with these ladies. But that was my first experience with small group. And so. Okay. All right. Let's press pause right there. All right. So, Sandra, if you would kind of do the same thing here. Walk us through growing up, when you came to know the Lord, eventually how you got here going to church. And so kind of catch us up on, on your story on that side of things. I was not raised in a Christian home. Both my parents would tell you that they were saved, but there was no evidence of it. Both sets of my grandparents were godly, and my parents probably never missed church a day in their life. Mm -hmm. But when they, they were from Russell and Phil Campbell, when they got married, and I think after they had me, we moved to the big Tri-Cities. There you go. So they just basically quit going to church. Yep. Now, there'd be periods of our life every now and then we'd go for a little bit. We right. moved to Tuscumbia when I was in about the fourth grade, and we started going to Calvary a little bit and went for a little while, but then that was it. And so I went with some of my friends to a Southern Baptist church when I was in high school just every now and then. And I can remember two different times where I was really under conviction. And also, I went to Sunday school with one of my friends, and I can remember being embarrassed that I had never been baptized, and all of them were members mm-hmm. of a church. And right. so I just quit going because I didn't want to have to admit that that I, you know, had never been to church. Because like Margot said, back then, everybody went, but we didn't. But anyway, so I went through high school going every now and then, not Long out of high school, I, Archie was my high school sweetheart. We mm-hmm. started dating. Well, same age? Tenth grade. He, he, well, we're in the same. We graduated together. Okay. But he's a year older than me. Gotcha. He he of, often says that he met me in seventh grade B. <laughs> he had a seventh grade A. <laughs> but I uh, only had one seventh yeah, grade. There you go. So I got it. <laughs> we, but uh, we dated all during high school and got married. The thought of that now, I think about that at, at my grandchildren's age, I can't imagine what my parents must have felt (laughs) uh, at our age, but we thought we were adults, and and, uh, we were both lost, and his family had some holiness, Church of God background, but basically they didn't believe anything, and so for about the first nine years that we were married, we didn't go to church, we, oh, it was... The only thing that I can think ever kept us together was that God was so good mm. that he made us love each other desperately. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. we would have divorced or killed each other, one or the other, because <laughs> it was close both ways. Uh. When our oldest one was about eight, maybe, I started feeling a little bit like I need to start going to church. Just I just had such a golly grandma that prayed desperately for me, and I think that was part of it. Mm. Every note I ever got from her, she would put a note in there about how Jesus loved me. And so I grew up. Thank the Lord for godly grandparents. I grew up believing that. Yeah. And believing that I would get saved one day. Mm -hmm. I really did think always, always I believed that Jesus was God's son. I believed that he was the way to get saved. I just really thought that I would hear bells and whistles and angels would sing in heaven. And 
So I was just kept looking for whatever that sure. was that was going to happen. I had a friend that she and none, neither of us were in church, Judy Thompson. Mm-hmm. And so we talked about how our kids need to be in church. And we talked about that for a couple of years before we ever <laughs> went. But she had a, a person that worked with her that invited her to first what was First Baptist. And she went a couple of times, and she really liked it. So she talked me into going. Yeah. First time I ever came here, Brother Jeff was the youth pastor, but he preached that night. Sure. Okay. So we came. So that was I, a Sunday night or Wednesday I, night? We came on Wednesday night. Wednesday night. The first okay. time I ever came, we came to Wednesday night supper. Okay. Yeah. Wednesday night in the old basement yep. of the mm-hmm. building down there. And I just kept coming. My kids loved it. There was a couple of older couples here in the church that, that, took pity on me, I guess. They always would come and sit with me because I was so uncomfortable. I'd never been, I wasn't raised in church, so right. I'd almost, you know, I probably could count on my fingers how many times I'd ever actually been to a service. I knew zero about the Bible, mm-hmm. just almost nothing. I had a Bible because my grandmother gave everybody in our church and <laughs> our family a Bible, so I had one, and I'd read it a time or two, but it didn't make any sense to me. I remember telling my other grandmother one day, well, how do you know that whoever wrote that Bible knew what they were doing, that God told them to? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I felt about it back then. And so we started going here and we had visitation then on Monday night. Mm -hmm. And so two men from our church came to visit me one Monday night. My kids both had chicken pox or measles or one of those childhood things. So they'd been home all day and and uh, Archie was in the bed that night when they came, and I sat and talked to him. And really, to be honest with you, the first thing I said to him was, I really wish I knew how to get saved. Because <laughs> I thought you just had to do something. That... They were probably thinking, man, somebody gave us a home run visit right here, <laughs> yeah. you know. That... And, and they talked about it at church all the time, and I really wasn't sure what exactly that was. And so they went through the Roman road with me. And to be honest with you, both of those men probably were lost as I look years down the road. Mm -hmm. But that didn't matter because it was God and the Holy Spirit. It had nothing to do with the people. So they went through the Roman road with me, and I prayed a prayer. Mm -hmm. But I meant it. I mean, that's all I knew. And so every bit of the knowledge I had, I threw into that prayer because I knew that I had made a mess of my life. I was 29. I, I didn't know if, if Archie and I would kill each other or divorce or what was going on. And right. so I I wanted whatever God had to offer. I, I wanted it. And I was so repentant of the way I'd lived my life. Mm-hmm. I, I've often said I wish I wanted my children to get saved when they were young yeah. because I knew what would happen to you if you were older and not saved. And right. so I didn't want them to have to do that, and, and and I meant it. And so that night, I sat up all night long. I didn't go to bed at all and read my Bible because the first time in my whole life it made sense. Yeah, sure. Amen. So I just started reading. I read and I read and I read and I called Judy. We talked to two in the morning. But I, now, was Judy converted at this time? Or, Judy or no? thought she was, but okay. she was actually converted a little bit okay, later on. Okay, gotcha. I, I just I just couldn't get enough of it. And probably a little bit of me, I've always been a rule keeper. And so 
a little bit of me was legalistic, but I just went in with both feet. I, yeah. If they, if we were having anything at First Baptist Church, I was being there. My kids were going to be there, and we were at everything. Right. But as I look back on it, I, I'm thankful to it because it helped me grow yeah. spiritually Amen. Amen. quickly. Yeah. So, so y'all, so y'all are in at this point. You've oh, been saved, and now it's like, okay, this is our church, and we're going to be in. And I thought my marriage was in trouble before, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, once I was saved, and Archie was not. The next year or so was really difficult. Yeah. For one thing, because I took it upon myself to preach to him and make sure that he was where he <laughs> needed to be and get right. <laughs> That probably didn't work out real it well. It didn't work really, so, yeah. really well for usually, him or me. Usually doesn't, so. But God really did show me a verse, that verse about winning them without a word. Mm-hmm. And yeah, finally, one day, he got through to me, and I just hushed. Amen. And God used my mouth being closed <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, uh, to, draw, to draw Archie's attention right. to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So good. So, uh, Margaret, let's bounce back to you. So we, we kind of hit the pause button. You had come here. Y'all had visited. You had joined. So now you're here. You're at what was then First Baptist Church in Muscle Shoals. So pick back up there with your testimony and, and some of your early days here and how the Lord was working in your life and the preaching of God's Word, small groups, how that's having an impact on your life. And so walk us through some of those times. Well, when we came... My son was two years old. I can't remember the sequence of these events, but we served different places in small groups. Uh, at one point, I was married then. He, he led a small group class. My son started to have some issues with seizures. He really started before we moved up here, but we were able to get him evaluated. He was having some developmental delays. Anyway, long story short, he was... A, diagnosed with autism, but he also has a not very well-treated seizure disorder. And so I say that because God used all that in my life in such a way to show me, you know, I came here as a really puffed up, full of knowledge kind of person. And I think God has done different things in my life, that being one, to give me an opportunity to learn to be humble, to see that it's not about me. So that was a big issue. That was a has been a struggle for really 34 <laughs> years. So that's one thing. And um, short time later, about, well, about three or four years later, we were um, not able to have another child. We, and we were just given the gift of a child to adopt. We didn't even apply for adoption. It just, I believe the Lord answered my prayer at that time. We didn't. So now we have two children, and we're um, just living life, basically, serving in the church where we can. My husband was real busy. But at some point, and I don't remember, um, it was just a—it was hard raising kids. I would always—I was late having children. I felt like I would be just the best perfect parent because I had watched everybody else's mistakes, and I'd read all the books, and so I was pretty confident everything was going to be, you know— I was going to be held up as the parent of the year. But God sent me two children that were not that easy to raise. But uh, they've been. Life sometimes differs from those it, books it and the examples that really, we really does. Of, right? But yes. He just brought into my life or allowed into my life several things with my children and eventually going through a divorce. 
that has given me some insight. At some point during that time, I was introduced to Elizabeth Elliott's ministry, and she has now passed on, but was God used her greatly in my life to to help me just be centered on what matters. And um, I okay, didn't. So, so, so walk that out a little bit more. And and I know you know you and I have had conversations about Elizabeth Elliot and. You know, pastor's been preaching on older women, mentoring younger women, and even mentioned his sermon, how sometimes you get that from books, you get that mm-hmm. from other sources, maybe not even people right here next to you. And obviously, Elizabeth Elliot was that for you. So what? when you say she helped you to focus on what matters, what does that mean? What did that practically look like for you? The first thing I remember hearing from her was actually we were having a missionary here at church. And she was quoting Elizabeth Elliot, which I found out later Elizabeth Elliot was quoting someone else. But the thing I remember that she said was, in acceptance lies peace. And if anybody knows Elizabeth Elliot, you don't get get a there, there, honey from her, or it's going to be all right, or you're right, that's not fair. You're going to get in acceptance lies peace. And, and treat everything that comes to you with peace of mind and firm conviction that God's will governs all. And so just, I think it's important for, because probably probably a lot of folks know Elizabeth Elliot's story, but there's probably a generation that maybe mm-hmm. doesn't know that. So just real quick, who is Elizabeth, Elizabeth Elliot? Elliot why, why, does that, why does in acceptance come peace really bear some weight when she says it? Elizabeth Elliot was a missionary and she married a missionary, the love of her life. God brought them together. They were married, I think, maybe a year and a half, and he was killed by the Indians that they were trying to reach. She stayed to serve in that area. The Lord gave her two more husbands. One died of cancer. Uh, The other one help take care of her as she was dying. So she had a lot of things happen in her life that were difficult. So hearing from her, yes, you can trust God. If God hasn't changed this situation, then this is his will for you now. All of those kind of firm, just solid truth helped me. I needed that so badly. I I was a jogger back in that day. (laughs) And when I jogged, I would always carry a cassette player with me. I know That's the younger old, people will not know what that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had to hold it with my hand, put things in my ears. Hit a play but, button. But I needed to feed my brain with truth. And I just listened to different talks. I had every cassette tape she she did. It just helped stabilize my emotions, I think. And mm-hmm. that that's the thing I would say about her Um and what I needed. I didn't need to feel sorry for myself. I didn't need to, I wasn't gonna get things fixed. I just needed to know how to live with what God had brought into my life in a way that honored Him. And I think she helped me to do that and to learn that and to hopefully pass that on to others. Okay, so let, let's let's think about that as you're learning, and I know that's been years ago, but obviously, you know, still paying dividends in your spiritual life to today. And, and and maybe we'll venture a little bit into yours and Sandra's teaching and teaming up in this small group class together. So, you know, how has the Lord used Elizabeth Elliot? You just told us how he used her in your life. But now, how are you trying to maybe help this younger generation? Because y'all normally have 
kind of that young to mid-20s group, you know. I mean, I know it's been different at different years, but 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 how are you trying to take that now and say, okay, hey, this generation needs to hear mm-hmm. some of this as well? Because I think, you know, for the younger generation, most of the time people are like, you know, well, we – do we want to say sometimes that they're coddled? You know, we just need to, you know, let's just tell them what they want to hear. I mean, I think that's the popular message out there in the world, but I, neither one of y'all are that. <laughs> y'all, y'all are not that sort of small group leader, uh, but in a, in a good way. So, so how, how has the Lord allowed you to maybe transfer some of that down in your small group class with the, kind of the next generation of ladies here at Grace Life? Well, I think what Sandra and I both want to stress to them is that they can trust God. Whatever's going on, they can trust God that the Word is real, the Word is true, and that they just have to obey it. They have to decide, are we going to obey this or not? I I hear so many times, well, I know what the Word of God says, but... And I just don't think that's a sentence we can use effectively in our Christian walk because it's just I know what the Word of God says... And the Word of God says that He will help me do what the Word of God says. There's no excuse for right. giving in to despair. Yeah. Um, not that we don't go through periods, but we need people in our life to to point us to truth. Right. We don't need people to get in there with us and, and tell us we have reason to be bitter or we have reason to feel sorry for ourselves or poor, poor you. One of my favorite verses is... You are good, O oh Lord, and what you do is good. And I tell my class all the time, it's no help to believe in God's sovereignty if you don't believe he's good, mm. because yeah. that will just lead you to be bitter. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Sandra, let you piggyback on that a little bit as well. So is, and obviously, you know, you've talked a little bit about some of the difficulties you had. Lord saved you, though, brought you here, and he's preserved you. And so is your teaching and discipling these younger ladies uh you know how is some of what you've been through and the and 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 different people whether it's the preaching or whether it was other ladies that discipled you and and helped guide you through those times in your life with truth how is it you're able to kind of do that with this next generation of ladies when i first came here i was in the sunday school class of a lady named francis brown and she could tell that i didn't know one book from the other in the Bible. Mm. So she really started really spending some time with me, teaching me what was right and how to how to accept what God had for me. And I can remember one time we were having, Archie was not working and we were having great financial difficulties. And she came over one night and she and her husband and told me they were going to pay for both of my kids to go to youth camp. And uh, I was having none of that. I was prideful. I was. I wouldn't even ask my parents, much less some stranger that I. And I can remember her teaching me about the fact that I was robbing her of a blessing, that God told her to do that. And and who was I to, to refuse that? And that just struck me. And and I thought then I thought I, as I grew, I wanted to teach other young people. Mm. To believe him and and I guess if you ask my class now my thing is you trust him or you don't that there's not a in the middle of the road there's not a God's in charge do you trust what he says or you don't and I've really always tried to apply that to my life now there's been times in it when 
I've thought, oh, I don't. Yeah. I, but I know that I know that that's where that's what you do. And 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 God's done a lot of interesting things in my life to give me opportunities <laughs> to uh, uh, to trust Him. Yeah. I've had cardiac bypass twice. I had three or four major heart attacks. I've I've got You've most. lived your nine lives and exceeded. I, I've them. already finished yes. those, and now I'm starting <laughs> on the next nine. And uh, but but it then it just comes down to and and it's it's easier to trust God with your own stuff and your own health and your own life. Yeah. And there's been things with my children, and with my husband. He has had a major accident and remember that. Messed up about everything he has. He really did. And, yeah. and that was probably harder for me than anything I've ever gone through because, and God would say every day, okay, yeah. do you believe me? Do you believe that I'm good mm-hmm. and that everything I do is good? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just grateful that he keeps reminding us even when we're, and I want those girls to get to there, to where, those young ladies, to where that's what they in the worst situation they're in, they they just rest in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, and like you said, I think it's a, an important part, Sandra, you mentioned that, you know, it's not always easy. You don't just wake up every day and say, oh, yeah, great. Yeah, Lord, I, I trust you. I, you know, I yeah. often think of, you know, our journey in faith, meantimes it's just a fight. It's it just is. a fight to get there, and it's a fight to tell yourself, listen, hush my own emotions, Hush what I want to think, what I want to say, and just, am I going to trust the Lord? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and sometimes when you get in those really tough spots, it's not just a daily fight. It's kind of a minute by minute. Am I going to it trust is. the Lord? <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I think maybe, you know, with a, a, a generation that's coming up, not, not any fault of their own. It's just the world they live in, I guess. But they want immediate they want quick. They want fast. Uh, let me be rid of this. You know, anything that's uncomfortable. And, you know, sometimes a sovereign God who is still good and still wise knows when we need some uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And he's going to use that to grow us in our walk with him. And th- those times they do, you know, I think of James chapter 1, consider it all joy when you experience these trials. Why? Because there's going to be some fruit that the Lord ultimately produces in your life from that. And, you know, to, to have each of you this current small group year and then others there to kind of tell the next generation of, hey, listen, you just have to continue to trust. And, and you play the long game with that. Mm-hmm. You know, trust today, trust tomorrow, mm-hmm. trust next week, trust next year. Uh, you know, just how good that is uh, to have them hearing that from y'all. Um, Between Margo and I, We've just about had every bad thing. <laughs> you've got, that, you've got the examples, right? You have the examples. So, so yeah. Now, you guys have—I I know for years because I, you know, I just hear Margot talk about some of the office. You guys have had uh, these small group fellowships, and normally a part of that small group fellowship is you allow someone mm-hmm. to maybe share their testimony. I've always thought that's a good way to maybe approach that. So, talk to me about who, whose idea was that? When did that start? Talk to me a little bit about how that has helped the class maybe to to grow together, get to know each other. Well, I'm pretty sure it was Sandra's idea because I didn't know. Can you say squat? I didn't know squat about working with girls (laughs) this age until she asked me several years ago if I would lead a class with her. And I said, don't you think I'm a little old for that group? And she said, that's biblical, Marta. (laughs) So she has helped me learn how to 
love them and how to interact with them. And I don't know, I think somebody she knew had suggested that at some point for a fellowship. And it has been, it has really been a really good. sweet time. It has helped the girls get to know each other. And it, and it, it's just interesting to hear how people come to know the Lord. But then, I mean, that's what, that's what makes the church impressive is you have all these different people that are just from totally different places and you hear their backgrounds and you're like heavens how can they be friends and then you they come together at the cross though and hmm. and um, we had a testimony one night of a girl who grew up in a pastor's home and a girl who had been saved out of witchcraft so that Amen. was some interesting testimony yeah, time absolutely. so uh it's just been a sweet time of fellowship i think yeah. and help them get to know each other and yeah. bond Amen. Yeah, great. All right, let's just swap gears a little bit here. Uh, both of you have worked on staff. Margo is still working on staff here at Grace Life. And Sandra, you did for years and did a, a number of different things. So um, that, tell me a little bit about what it's like to work on staff at Grace Life. <laughs> Maybe not everything uh, of what it's like, but Sandra, we'll start with you. You had a long tenure here. It was a blessed one. God used you in a lot of different ways. And so well, what was that season like? Because you uh, not only in your personal life, but you've experienced some storms here at Grace Life Church during that time as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, when I first I, I first came to work here, I had I had uh, was not working and had not been working for a while, so I came up here and volunteered. Okay. I wanted I just wanted to work here. I just thought, well, back then I was younger and I. I really wanted to go be a missionary in some foreign country and live in a hit, hut with grass. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, that's what I wanted. So the next best thing to me would be to get to work here. Yeah. And so Bob Pittman, who was the pastor at that time, he called me one day and he said, would you like to work at the church? And I said, yes. And he said, well, can you start in the morning? <laughs> it's an immediate spot. <laughs> and he said, do you want to know what we're going to pay you? And I said, no, sir. Because I'd already prayed about it. I knew if you asked me, that's what I was doing. Yeah, so I didn't have a clue what I was going to get paid till my first check here. Yeah. But I can honestly say over the years, although we went through a lot of splits and a lot of ugliness and we had some people on staff that didn't pan out real well. And I can remember a time when I really hated getting up in the morning and having to come yeah. because it, it was just hard. It was hard. But... The last several years were just wonderful because yeah. I, I, I would have done it for free. I mean, I just loved being here, yeah. and the idea that I kept reminding myself that I get paid to do this, to yeah. do something that I would do for free because I get paid to do something that matters Amen. for eternity. Yeah, Amen. and so I, it was always a blessing to me. Now, I will say, and especially when I was younger, I probably maybe spent too much time here and maybe neglected my family mm -hmm. for here. Right. But I can look back and see that and sure. see, but it was, you know, it, it was where, it, and they never fussed and they never complained about it. Yeah, but sure. um, because I, I just, I just wanted to be, there was comfort here. Yeah, right. Just. And, and you worked in, in small groups for a long time. Yes, sir. And so I, I A lot think, of different bosses. Yes, a lot of different bosses uh, through there. But but what about, I mean, not, not just your working there, but you've always been, it wasn't just a job, like you said. It was Never. 
you love small groups. I did. And you're active. You still are active in small groups. So, you know, what, what was it that the that in your time in that particular role and just life in the church that, that really just cemented how important small group ministry is in your heart and mind? It, it just— it just made me see over the years God let me see the lives that got changed Amen. because people in small groups invested in their life. I guess right. God taught me really early on that I c- you can't lead a class if you're not going to invest yourself in the lives of those people in yeah, there. Sure. And that's a lot of sacrifice. Amen. Sacrifice of your time and yeah. it's just a and and I'm grateful that he taught me that early, and and I've not always done a real good job of that, but I want to. Yeah, I I want to, I, I want to lead those young ladies to love their husband more, to to just practical things right. to do. Yeah. Sometimes I think some people just need to know how to live. Amen. I, and, I agree. And so, you know, that I think that's something that small groups can do. And and I'm, you know, that verse that says the the lost they'll know you by your love one for another, mm-hmm. not by the way you love the community or the lost right, people, but right. the way you love one another. And so, before you're useful evangelistically or anything else, you gotta teach them to love each other yep. and to care and invest. In the lives yeah, of people, yeah. and small groups and, really is our—it's our venue for that. It is where it is, and and I, I think about you know what you're talking about, Sandra. With it, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes energy. There, there's a stewardship to local church membership. When we become members at Grace Life Church, you know, it's a reason why we practice a covenantal membership. And what we mean by that is we're we're making some covenant commitments to one another of how we're going to be involved in one another's lives. It's not. Just okay. Put I'm stamping my name on the membership roll, and now let me just sit and let me, you know, receive and let me take in. I mean, we do take in the Word of God, and we do take in ministry many times. Of course, we do. But there's a a stewardship that comes to us being here and and loving one another, discipling one another, getting to know one another, holding one another accountable. All of those things, and by and large. Not completely, but by and large, at least on a person-to-person basis, that takes place in the small group setting for the most part. And, you know, Brother Jeff has preached this for years, and we've taught it for years and things like the membership class. But, you know, if you just came in and there's seven, 800 people and you said, hey, love one another, it's just really hard to figure out, okay, who, mm-hmm. you know, which ones can I do this with? I'm, I'm sure it would happen to some level. But in that small group class, you're able to say, these are the ones, these are the ones that I can invest in, my time, my energy, our fellowships. You know, those, those are the ones that you can really kind of dig in there and, and get that work done. So, And I've always felt like that if God put that person on our role, then they were our responsibility for whatever yeah. time that was. Amen. And that God meant for us to to take care of them and to take that responsibility seriously. And I really, as I worked here, I really tried to teach the, the people that we recruited to teach, to share that with them, that they God's this is not by accident. You didn't get this role. This is, you know, these people have been prayed over. God gave you these folks. Amen. I agree. Yeah. Well, thank you for, Years of service. You did a good job of it. Margo, you've it's worked here as well. You're still working here. All right, a little bit about your time at Grace Life. Well, I 
I can't remember how long ago it was that I realized I was going to have to go to work outside the home. I never had really been able to do that with my son's special needs. And so I, I tried working as a nurse for a while, but after being out of nursing for over 20 years, it was a little bit hard to go back. Plus, just working around his schedule was difficult. So I was working for a friend at a dress shop, and uh, I had always wanted to work at the church art since I realized I was going to need to work. And I had told several people, you know, if there's ever anything open there that, that I could do, I would love to do that. And I think one night, Sunday night, Sandra came and sat by me and said, you know, are you interested in working at the church? I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, I interviewed, and that's how I started. I started out in the small group office, was here for a while, and then was not here I for a while. Yes. Not going to say it, <laughs> but I was let go for a while. But then not, I just— Not because of anything you did wrong, well, just some leaner financial times way. in the life yes. of Grace Life. Gotcha. So. So um, I just kept coming up and volunteering, didn't clean out my desk or anything. So eventually something else opened up. I was able to come back, and then I was able to come back full time. And I felt like at the time, and I still do, that it was just God's way of providing for me. Amen. It, like Sandra said, it's, it's like getting paid for something you would like to do anyway. And yeah. it's not, I mean, it's, it's a job. But there is something special about working with people who love the Lord. Mm. And um, not that we all always act like it. Yes. But, um, yeah, I'll never forget the first Sunday school class I went in here. And Sandra was already working here. And she said, ladies, listen, if you've got a husband, just keep the one you've got. Because I work here with all the staff, and they're all ministers and they're just men. They're just alike. They're all alike. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess my point is that we're well, Brother all... Jeff did preach that this human. past Sunday, some, yeah. some things that men are like, right? So, <laughs> yes. All right, good. Well, thank you both for coming on and sharing with us not only your Grace Life story, but also how the Lord is continuing to allow you to make an impact in the lives of others, which we hope in the years ahead will produce more Grace Life stories, whether that's people being converted or whether that's young ladies being discipled and hopefully conformed to the image of Christ. Thank you also for your time just working behind the scenes at Grace Life on our staff. Uh, the Lord has used both of you, and I know He will continue to use both of you in those different capacities, whether it's small group or working here, impacting others for the glory of God. As I said, this will be the last episode of Season 2 of my Grace Life story, so we'll take a break for a few months. And then we'll kick back up season number three, Lord willing, and we'll continue to look at how God's working in people's lives here at Grace Life Church of the Shoals. Thank you for joining us for another season. This will wrap us up, and we look forward to seeing you in season three. We hope you've enjoyed season two of My Grace Life Story. Season three will make its premiere in a few months. Be listening for those announcements. In the meantime, visit us online at gracelifeshoals.org to catch up on Season 1 and Season 2. My Grace Life Story is a presentation of Grace Life Media.